What is author marketing mastery through optimization, you ask? I'm going to tell you. It's the best way for us authors to make a living selling our books. Are you tired of hearing gurus tell you your book is only good enough to be a lead magnet for services? Are you tired of feeling like you have to be a slave to social media and then frustrated when that time doesn't actually help you sell books? I was too, until I found Ammo. Ammo is the only program that reliably produces results and it works for anyone. Is it hard work? You bet. Do you have to overcome some of your own prejudices to make Ammo work for you? Absolutely. But rather than being another program that rah-rah shish-goom-bahs tries to get you emotionally excited only to offer unclear methods, Ammo shows you how to design profitable ads step-by-step through a unique, never-before-tested formula. The founder, Steve Piper, is a data-loving, formula-driven author who escaped the kingdom of Amazon to build a platform for himself where he sold directly to his readers and built a loyal following. With Ammo, you know who's reading your books, how to contact them, and what they want to read next. If you've always been frustrated with Amazon's wall of mystery, of not knowing who's reading your books, of losing 50 to 70% of the hard-earned money you make through book sales, Ammo solves all of those problems by putting you in the driver's seat and showing you how to fulfill your books directly to your readerships. Click the link in the show notes to learn more. In the history of this podcast, since it was Create, Collaborate, then The Reluctant Book Marketer, and finally TRBM, I've had guests from a lot of different walks of life, but I have never had musicians on. Uh, It was one night, not too long ago, several months we'll say, when I had been listening to this band, The Wildwoods. And I thought, why don't I just reach out and see if they'd like to be guests on my podcast? Um, Artists, writers, they've got the musical element, they've got the performance element. So many of the things, I think, overlap. And so I decided if they'll accept being on my podcast, it would be amazing. And I reached out and lo and behold, here we are. My guests on today's episode are the Wildwoods. And I have to tell you, it was so much fun interviewing them. I also want to note that you will notice I'm out of my depth talking about music, sometimes comically so, and I think they were really gracious when it was clear I was a musical moron. (laughs) But I do think that you're going to get a lot of great information on how to experience the process of having listeners, readers, people who love your work. There's no better way than to see what the Wildwoods have done since their band has really exploded. They're selling ticketed shows. They went from being a local band in Omaha, Nebraska, to traveling the country. And the way that they've handled the stress and the sacrifices they've made, I think, really illustrate what any artist who's trying to go big is going to do. And if you're listening to this show, you're listening because you're trying to go big, I assume. Otherwise, why waste the time marketing? Anyway... I don't have much else for you today. I hope you enjoy this episode. Make sure to listen all the way through because they actually play two songs for me live while we were podcasting. Everything you hear, I just hot take. It was happening right then. So really enjoyable to hear uh, a version of the song that you can't hear anywhere else but on this podcast. And one thing I wanna ask you to do before we dive in, listen to the Wildwoods on Spotify. Buy their albums if you're able to, but definitely listen on Spotify. That is a huge thing. Every time you play one of their songs, they get a a teeny little bit of money for it. And that exposure is also amazing for them. So go ahead and recommend them around. Enjoy this interview with the Wildwoods. This is TRBM Ammo Edition. If you're a published author, and want to make a living writing books and selling them to avid readers, you've come to the right place. There's simply no program that's more successful at driving readers towards the books you've written. So the only thing you have to worry about is writing a great book. And the system with enamel takes care of the rest. 
Thanks for listening to this conversation. So your song, When We Marry, uh, sounded so much like Over the Rhine. I was, I thought for sure you have to be familiar with that band and have listened to them before. Um, and if not, like I said, there's a lot of bands out there. Uh, hard times have come and gone. Sounds to me a lot like the Weepies. It feels like there's a bit of influence from the Weepies there. And then Mercy sounds like Feist. So those are the three where I was like, oh, there's got to be some influence in those three bands. Uh, first off, are those familiar bands to you at all? Or <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I don't think I've ever listened to any, any three of them. Oh, okay. We know yeah. Feist. Yes. Um, I okay. feel yeah. like I've heard the name the Weepies before, Same. but that does sound familiar. I don't know. Okay. But it's yeah. very interesting that you, you thought when we marry, I mean, that's like a, such an old song to us. <laughs> I don't know. Over the Rhine. That sounds familiar too. I don't know if I've ever heard. What I will do afterwards is I will send you the the links to those bands so that you can hear them. There's a couple specific songs that I even link them to um, and, and see if they're interesting to you. I don't, honestly, uh, let me first say, as far as music goes, I learned to play the guitar a little bit. I do love music, but I lack rhythm at a fundamental level like at the core of me there's no rhythm so if someone like turns on a metronome i can't sync up with it <laughs> like, oh i know it's supposed to hit right here i can even watch it like tick talking and i can't sync up with it uh, i'm afraid to dance but the way that music makes me feel and and you're very aware of this with the people who love your music is indescribable and i think that that happens with your music a lot when i'm listening to it i take my dog for a late night walk sometimes and i'll just get lost in your music and the way that it can give me hope or sometimes I'm struggling through something and, and hearing your songs can make me feel like there's a little bit of hope at the end of a tunnel. Uh, and so I'm grateful to you for one, just for, for your music. And this is a marketing podcast. So then we're going to dive in and kind of talk about like your explosion and how it happened and where you're at right now and the the highs and the lows. Does that sound okay? Well, thank, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for, yeah. for the kind yeah. words. Absolutely. I love what you're doing. It's so great. So uh, how much did social media play a, a role in your your growth as a band? Was it like the igniter or what was the speed of things? Well, you know, it's uh, so we've been playing. Chloe and I have been playing together since 2012 and uh, Andy joined us in 2017. And, you know, throughout all of our time together, we've mainly focused on, you know, our live performance being kind of the main driver of, you know, um, how we might gain, gain followers or listeners. And we, you know, hadn't really focused on social media at all um, up until really last, last summer, I think, or last fall. Okay. And then we, you know, we'd been working through a lot of these arrangements of um, new, new originals, but also mainly, um, you know, a lot of cover songs. Yeah. And, you know, of course, you know, TikTok has become a very, very popular thing. And so, you know, I was just getting all of these, you know, TikToks on my feed that were just these, these artists that were, you know, saying original music, but they were doing these great interpretations of, of, you know, a lot of popular tunes. And I thought, you know, oh, we should, we should try to do something like that. Maybe, yeah. you know, maybe that could help us because, we had done it like every once in a while, we would put a cover song out there um, on our YouTube or a few on TikTok, but they didn't really get any traction at all. And then, um, so our the history of our band is kind of just like all over the place because although it has always been Noah and me at the core, we've had a lot of people play in our band and play with us throughout the years. Um, and so I think when we got into college and then when COVID happened, we started playing just mainly as a duo, just Noah and I. And then okay. after we graduated, we started touring that way. Again, focusing on like the live performance aspect, like Noah said. Mm-hmm. And um, then when we came home from our our last tour, like the last summer tour that we did before Andy joined us full time as a trio, um, we kind of just sat down and we said, "Let's have let's see if Andy wants to play with us. Like, I think we could do some really cool things with harmonies because a lot of our original music that Noah was writing at the time, we do a lot of like um, two person harmonies, but we could always hear like a third part in there. And when Andy would play with us with sorry, with us with like our full band, he would always sing harmonies like here and there. And we kind of just wanted that fuller sound. So Hmm. then when we came back, 
at the same time Andy joined with us full time. We were gonna like test it out, like still do duo gigs, but also play as a trio. Mm. And then we also started making those social media videos like on TikTok and Instagram. And then everything kind of overnight just like blew up after we posted the first few. Yeah. And so then it was like we're like, okay, Andy, like now you're a part of this like full time. <laughs> And it, it just kind of like, it really did escalate things like immediately after we got a lot of views. Yeah, but it's yeah. been, it's been uh, um, to answer your, your original question, it, it, it really has been, um, even though it's, you know, a, a kind of a small fraction of, of uh, you know, the time that we've been together playing music, you know, within that small amount of time, um, we've, we've gained the majority of our, our, our following, especially outside of Nebraska, um because you know as we've toured throughout the past year um and have seen people come to our shows that know our music um that have you know followed us from from social media um it's just been a very exciting um incredible thing of course we're not playing you know we're not playing arenas or large theaters most of the shows we do are you know 40 to 60 or 70 seat capacity shows yeah and uh you know but to see, you know, those rooms fill up has just been such a such an exciting, exciting thing, and uh, something we're still kind of getting getting used to a little bit, you know, because yeah. before then we I feel like we were having, you know, one show every once in a while that was made mm -hmm. maybe like that where where we had, you know, kind of a surprise show where there was like forty people that bought tickets and then the nerves set in, but then we would have you know four or five gigs between that one where you know. It was not um, a nerve-wracking type of performance, right? But now we have every show. We feel like we have to be 100% all the time. It's been a little a little tricky to get used to just being able to always feel, feel confident and feel like we can do our best um, every single night. But uh, you know, we're trying our best, and mm -hmm. uh, it seems like people have a good time at our shows. So there's a there's a lot of a lot of areas I want to cover from just the things that, that you've said. I think the first one before I lose it is Andy hitting the band at an inflection point when it was sort of like now you're part of them. What did that feel like to you? Was that did you did you struggle at all with a sense of like I didn't get any time to decide if this was the perfect fit or was it obvious to you right away this is it here we go uh I'm gonna ride you know this this as far as it's gonna take me. Definitely the latter. I mean um because uh, I went to high school with these guys and so seeing them play and then playing with them and then you know even like you know going to like duo shows like I was always like a big fan of especially like you know Noah's songwriting and mm -hmm. um, just like their their vocal blend and the fact that you see a lot of duos and you know there can sometimes be you know a lacking of like a full sound but you know when they play as a duo it's essentially a quartet with their voices and like instrumentation. And so, yeah, I mean, there, there wasn't any like doubt in my mind. I mean, the spring before that, I was, I went back to school like a second time. And uh, and so when we were like, kind of like talking about like maybe doing this, it kind of like helped me kind of realize like, you know, I don't, I don't really know if I'm like exactly digging, like I'm like fully bought into like what I'm going to school for. And so like, it was just like a really easy decision to we forced to him to in. quit school. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. No, it, was, uh, it, it was it was the thing that like, oh yeah, I wanted to do this, mm -hmm. you know. So I was going to school for for music, and I was like, all right, what would I do with a music degree? Well, I would want to travel around and play music, and so I could, you know, for less money, do that. <laughs> yeah, it's of, it's it's great. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. I I feel the same way, and I think that. Um, one of the unique things about musicians compared to writers, which my typical audience is going to be novelists, um, fiction writers. Uh, and one of the things that's different is that this is often a one person journey. So if I, if I do blow up the way that I hope to eventually, I'm the only one that I have to worry about. Obviously my wife, my kids, they need to, to consent, but they already did. Like they got into this with me knowing what I was chasing with you. There is this moment and there's three of you and you each have ideas. And so pulling a little bit from the Omaha scene, uh, when I was going to shows more often, there was, um, 
Adam Weaver and the ghosts. And I remember I loved them so much. And I, like it felt like they could have done a whole lot more, but there would always be one or another band member who would feel for one reason or another, like, ah, I want to pull back right now. I've got a thing going on. And to have three people to come together and say, yeah, we're going to go after this and we're going to travel a bunch. Uh, we're going to uproot our lives. We're going to be sick and we're still going to perform. We're going to get on podcasts with strangers, anything we can do to really take advantage of this moment. Uh, and all three of you to be in coordination. That's a, a cool thing. Um, and honestly, I can tell just from you sitting here and being engaged that you're really enjoying the process right now. Um, so I guess my next question for you is, as far as having gone from, like you said, Noah, occasional shows to really feeling like you have to be on point every single time uh, to take the, the most advantage of this, from the business element, how scary is that? Do you feel a little bit scared of, of the business of, of being musicians? Gosh, you know, I, I think it's, it's less about being afraid of, of the business and more, more just kind of not being confident in, you know, my own musical abilities. Oh, I think, wow. Okay. Which I think we all, we all feel like that. We all kind of really struggle with, um, you know, we, we always joke about Crosby, Stills and Nash, you know, what, what it might have sounded like when they would get in our arguments being like, you know, you were off here, uh, you sounded terrible. Just, it's the complete opposite with us, you know, whenever we record something or after we, you know, play a show, you know, I'll get off and be like, oh, I was horribly off here. Hmm. And, you know, it might be, no, I was off there. That wasn't you. And then Chloe will be like, no, 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 it was me. And then so. <laughs> You're all fighting to say who was wrong. <laughs> right, right, right. So, you know, I, I think when we have shows where I start to feel a little bit nervous, um, I think my insecurities and my, in my, you know, abilities, I think just, just feel more heightened. And then it just, I don't know, it just makes me even more, even more nervous than I guess. But, uh, you know, I think it, it's, it's definitely gotten a lot better. I think as we've just, cause we've been playing like yeah. five or six times a week for the, the past, uh, past six months. And, uh, wow. Yeah. So it feels we're, we're getting to, a. Yeah, I think with like any sort of art that anybody is creating, um, it's very vulnerable to do that and especially yeah. to do it live in front of so many people. Mm -hmm. um, like when we make our videos, we have the time to re-record them so we know there's not going to be a mistake. That all yeah. these people that are seeing this, they don't know like what has all gone behind this like 30 second clip that they're watching. Mm -hmm. But then when we try to recreate that live, like in real time in front of people, obviously there's more going into that like the room ambience or just like the people yep. surrounding you it makes you feel certain ways but i think all of us are like oh my gosh we can't make like one mistake or we just have to be 100 percent perfect now all the time we can't have a bad show because then we might lose all of the fans that we worked so hard to make wow. over the past few months yeah well, one one dose of reality that I know you actually know uh, is is that you would not lose me as a fan if I went to a show and and you had a, a gaffe. Uh, that would actually be something that I would enjoy um, being like, I got to see it happening live. Um, so I can I can speak for myself, and I think other people I know would feel similarly. It's fun to to see the live process. That's exactly how we feel when we go to concerts and see some yeah. of our artists play. Is you know, I would never expect an artist to play, you know perfectly or in the same way as they did maybe on on their album you know that's kind of the magic of going to live shows is is things being you know having little imperfections here and there so i think to try to hold ourselves to a higher standard is is a little silly you know and it's yeah. something that of course we'll never achieve so why why reach reach for it anyway you know it's, it's yeah it's a yeah especially something that was really profound for me was I was, I've always been a fan of the Grateful Dead, but you, you listen to, you know, one of their hundreds of live shows yep. and, you know, you hear like, man, their harmonies are like way off or, <laughs> you, know, you know, dang, Bobby definitely didn't know the chords on this song or something. And like, you hear like little mess ups, but then you hear people like talk about how like magical the shows were. Mm. Uh, and then go, I went and saw Dead and Company last month and it definitely reinforced that notion of like the magic of a live yeah. performance and just like that energy that's you can't recreate anywhere else so it's helped me be a lot more confident while we're performing live not like trying to fixate you know like why a little like a little flat here or, mm -hmm. but to like you know know that to trust 
that you know what we've worked on for so long is going to translate well so long as we're all like in it yeah that's a good a good place to to ask this question it's a difference again between uh, music and and writing is the the improv uh of a live moment how often do you improvise something do you feel like you're a hundred percent on uh, script or are there moments where you can feel each other ready to, to improv a little bit? And, and what does that, what does that look like? Cause uh, if you're not a musician, this is a question I've never even thought to ask before. Like, how do you know that you're going to improv at all? So I, th- I think um, that with improv, it, it typically lies with us within the instrumentation. It's very rare that we'll improv something, you know, uh, vocal. Right. Absolutely. Or with our, like, even, like, the in-between song banter, too. Mm-hmm. Like, like the no-show's, like, 100% the same every night. But there are sections, like, in our songs where there's kind of just, like, agreed-upon moments when you know that there'll be, like, some improv. It's never, right. like, the mm-hmm. same every time. Yeah. Um, and well, I, th- I think it, like, starts, at least for me, when I feel comfortable enough to do that, because that's scary, um, yeah. to do it in front of people. I, I have to feel good, like, from the moment we step on stage, like, just with the vibe of the, I have to get a feel for how the audience is that night, how each of us are that day, like, it just has to be, like, a really comfortable space, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, vocally, things are, for in terms of our, our vocals, things are, are usually, you know, practically the same every night yep. with, in terms of our, our harmonies or the melodies that we sing for the songs, um, so we a lot of times I think we kind of use that as the guide around, you know, how the instrumentation might go for that night. Typically, you know, 80, 90% of the songs are, are usually played the same other than, other than solos. Um, of course, if, you know, one of us will take a solo break and, and, and improvise, but, um, you know, things will kind of, kind of push and pull in different ways every night. And, uh, yeah, yeah it's depending on kind of going back to the nerves thing. I think, uh, I'm a lot more shy to improvise. I think when when I'm I'm feeling a little nervous, but then we have shows where for some reason you know, and it's never the audience's fault. I think it's just it's sometimes it's just you know the way you know we may feel when we we get on. The vibe stage. has to be right. The vibe has to be just yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I think we're still able to put on a, a a good show. I don't think the audience can can notice if we're you know feeling nervous on stage, mm. but I think. Um, sometimes if I'm feeling a, a bit nervous, I'll just kind of go the safe route of playing things of, you know, the way we've, we've written them. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I don't know. I want to, I want to swing back around to one question that, that occurred to me a second ago, which is, um, I imagine each of you maybe has slightly different tastes in music or possibly even would like to explore a genre of music. That's a little bit different than, um, what, what you're doing right now. Uh, so I don't want to go right into that, but I just want to put a pin in it. Think about it a little bit. If there's like a genre you'd love to explore, I'd love to hear a little bit about it and how you negotiate that as a band. Um, but the other thing is I just, uh, this last weekend did a live event. It was my first hosted live event. I've been part of other live events, um, where I was like not the organizer, but I did something called books for brews. Uh, I went to stories coffee and then block 16 and anybody who came and bought a book, I'd buy them a coffee or a beer, you know, whatever brew was appropriate for the setting. Yeah, it was great fun. Um, and it resonated with me what you said about vibe. Cause when I got to stories, I had gone to introduce myself. I had communicated through email. I'd done a lot of different things before the event was, was live. And I kept getting the sense that they were open to having me there, but not real excited about promoting the event. They didn't let me put any flyers up at the shop, nothing on the window the day of. And so it ended up that an author, a friend of mine and I were sort of back in this back room and it almost felt like a private meeting and we didn't get a ton of traffic and it was a little demoralizing. You're like, man, nobody showed up. I didn't sell any books. I didn't build any friendships with readers. Uh, and, and it was, it was rough. So that, that feeling of the vibe has to be right. And there has to be this cooperation with the venue and the owners really even more so than the audience. Uh, and then I get to block 16, Jess and Paul need nothing for me. They're famous. They've won a James Beard award. They're like the best restaurant in Omaha. Everybody loves block 16. There was a line the whole time and had nothing to do with me, but because Jess came out and treated me like uh, a celebrity and had a table set up and was going around, like telling people, make sure to buy a book. He'll buy you a beer. You know, like it, it was this amazing 
atmosphere. It was really fun. And so oh. I, I think there's got to be something like that for you you as well, where some venues just seem to really want you there and you can feel that and it has to enliven you. Is that accurate, do you think? Gosh, yeah, but I feel like on a sometimes or typically it can it's usually on a more like extreme level i guess like if if we get to a venue and you know they don't seem interested or you know if they don't seem like grateful for us being there that doesn't really ever throw me off you know okay usually i'm kind of the one that's like or i feel like we're we're the ones that are you know giving you you a reason to exist (laughs) being grateful yeah we're 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 grateful to them for for letting us letting us be there um it's it's the thing that throws me off the most is when there's somebody involved that's you know can be just straight up rude i guess i don't know if we get okay. to venue there's you know if whether it be and this is this is pretty pretty rare i think mm-hmm. whether it's you know the sound engineer or the um you know the owner of the venue or the organizer of the the event if there's somebody that's you know rude or or just you know you know acting not well that i think that throws me off more so than more so than anything for sure you know yeah. because when when we when we have gigs where there might not be very many people there usually i'm those are the gigs where i feel the least nervous about anything sure. just because i think there it just feels like there's less less pressure i guess yeah. i don't know I feel. I think that um, feeling like a venue is like appreciating you being there, like the venue, like you said, like anybody associated with the venue, anybody working the show that night, um, maybe they don't particularly like our music or don't even know who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but we definitely we usually when we go into venues, everyone's very nice and accommodating, Yeah. especially lately after we've started touring now where we're like doing ticketed shows instead of just being like playing the occasional like background music at a brewery gig, um, mm-hmm. which usually people, they are still very nice to us. Um, but sometimes, I don't know, a gig like that, you could show up and they don't even know that they're supposed to be a band playing that night. Uh, but, yeah. like, but I do think it really sets the vibe, at least for me, for how comfortable I feel being there and just like providing, essentially providing a service for the night, yeah. um, for the audience and for the venue. Um, we, it, it doesn't happen often, but we have had a couple experiences at venues where it's not been as great as we have experienced. And then in those times, we're all just like, oh, like this isn't like what happened to the other gig the other night? Like that was a really nice venue. It just kind of gives us a different perspective hmm. and helps us be pickier, I guess, like when we're booking shows. And because I think before we were like, we just need to get anywhere that will have us play, like begging people to let us play in their venue. But yeah. now I think my mindset has shifted a little bit like um, to whereas I'm like choosing to come and perform at your space for these people that are coming to see us, like trying to find a good venue to host the show that night, I guess, mm. as opposed to selling our soul to perform huh. somewhere <laughs> that isn't yeah. gonna treat us as nice. Yeah. And I think we kind of like after the few bad experiences we've had, we've kind of, um, learned from those they've been good learning experiences to know how to pick up on what's going on in the booking process to just yep. cut it off and say never mind we'll just find somewhere else to play yeah does that happen sometimes so it'll just feel like it's not necessarily the right time the right place something's off a little bit yeah and yeah. i think bef- like if you would have asked me that question six months ago i would have said yeah but we need the gig so i'm not going to cancel the show yes. but now looking at that i would say it doesn't matter that that wouldn't have been a good show anyway. And I, we would have just left the night feeling a little bit off. Hmm. So it'd be better to just not do that and find a different place. That would be better. Especially in the last couple months where we've been able to like see and have, you know, reports of how many tickets we've sold places that we're, you know, we're bringing people in. So there's like a bit of leverage that comes into that, which yeah. feels like a dirty word to say, like surrounding like art, but as far as like yeah. the business kind of thing goes, I mean, there's, definite leverage that like Chloe said that you, you can't you have the freedom to kind of you know say well, we won't do this venue this time and look somewhere else yeah you're, you're essentially doing a business deal with the venues I mean um, there are venues that are like nonprofits and they host live music not to gain anything from the like not to gain any money from the night just 
for the pure joy of music and art and what we do. But a lot of venues, I mean, they're, they're just there to host us and other musicians to sustain and make a living too. There's a love of music in any venue you're going to. Well, not any, but most venues. And it, it, probably at this point, any venue you're going to. Like you talked about earlier, you might do some shows at a bar or something like that. And uh, there's multiple reasons for that place to exist. But right now you're playing at places that that require you to be there. So there's a, a built-in collaboration for that, which mm-hmm. I think is really fantastic. I too had that feeling of... Um, I'm grateful for those stories. I'm still going to drink their coffee. I'm going to go in and love them and and talk them up to everybody I know as far as their coffee goes, but I won't do another event with them because they're not necessarily there to collaborate with authors. And that's totally fine. I'm grateful that they let me in the doors. But yeah, in the future, I, I could have picked up on the signs. I knew it was happening that they weren't really like excited to have me. And you have to have those learning experiences, which uh, before again, we get into kind of the genre question, I want to ask uh, Noah, Chloe, you were in it since 2012, you said. So that's a good long time that you were not having massive success. And so I'm curious, how often do you think that uh, about quitting? How, like, how often was it like, F this, I am tired and nothing's breaking and nobody understands us or whatever it might be. I don't know what the exact wording is, but there's this sense of just frustration. Like I'm here to play for people and have people listen to my music. And it's not the same. Like I can play for myself any day, but playing for people, how often was it just, ah. I feel like never, never. Really? It's, okay. Never it's been a thought <laughs> that this is not what we're going to do. Of, of course, there's been frustration and yeah. like, we need to do something differently or just like, we need to focus on this other thing for a little bit and maybe not like playing a bunch of like gig background music gigs for like a month. Um, hmm. But I think our ultimate goal of just pursuing music and art and doing what we love for the rest of our lives, like that's just always been the thought, even through school. Cause like yeah. Noah has a music degree. I have a psychology degree and I really just got my degree just to finish it. When I started, hmm. I was doing music and psychology at the same time, but like I didn't, I, as soon as I graduated, I wasn't like, okay, music's my backup. I'm going to go do this now. It was always my thought. Sure. We're just going to do this right now because that's what we love to do yeah yeah i think for me yeah there's i've never never once have i ever thought about quitting or, or you know the thing you know have had the thought of oh let's just be done uh because it's kind of the thing that music as a whole i think is really the the thing that occupies my brain 99 percent of the time mm-hmm. and I, I had this thought when i was going into college thinking about what i should major in and I just came to the realization that if I do anything with my life other than music, then I will be wildly unhappy, you know? And I, and I've just heard taking, you know, going back to when I was 18, you know, I was, I was thinking, Oh, I've heard so many stories of people, you know, being so unhappy with their lives because they wish they would have done so-and-so and and done, done this and this and this. So even though I, you know, there was, I was hearing some, some pushback from doing that from, from, some different angles. Um, I just went with that because I knew that I would be very, very unsatisfied if I yeah. did not pursue music. And, you know, now that of course, you know, we're, we're seven years past that now, kind of the same thing, you know, I don't, I don't really, you know, spend my time doing anything, anything else. And I wouldn't want to spend my time doing anything else. This is just, just what I love. And it's, it's just, uh, you know, other than Chloe, it's a you know, thing that, that brings me the most, not most Andy. happiness, I guess, and Andy as well. You know, I, I love Andy very much. Yeah. Well, but, um, I think with anything that is really good and that you love, there's always going to be like those hard moments or mm-hmm. frustrating moments because it wouldn't be good if there weren't those. Like those moments where we think, okay, we need to like reconfigure a little bit. It mm-hmm. makes the good moments that much better. Um, if everything yeah. were was good all the time, it would be like you'd always be looking for like the next best thing, I guess. Right. And I think, you know, we're not in pursuit of fame. That's okay. not, that's not the thing for us, you know, and, and it's even less about, you know, pursuing the Wildwoods as, as an, as an entity, you know, I think it's more about just pursuing our, our lives as artists together, you know, even though, you know, hmm. the Wildwoods is what we are trying, you know, that's what we're working so hard to get out there. I think it's, it's more yeah. about just, you know, 
being satisfied with with our lives being being artists and uh you know and being able to make a comfortable living where we're not like starving on yes the that's that's the that's yeah the main. <laughs> i'm glad you said that chloe because i think uh again this is typically very writer-centric marketing the reason that is is because Yes, it's art first and foremost that, that we're all creating. We're all trying to create something that does multiple things at once. It delights you so that when you, when you hear that music startup, you feel delighted and energized, but it also speaks to you so that any kind of, um, blockage you have in your emotional psychic world starts to surface and resolve or at least uh dialogue with you and that's i mean again going back to your songs i have that with your songs that's why your songs are so important to me uh and have been since i discovered you is because i start to have that kind of internal dialogue with myself i if you were to ask me right now, I don't know I was uh, prepared to say this to you, but I actually don't know what any of your songs are about. It's a feeling your songs give me. I'm not paying attention to, to the message you're trying to share. It's how I feel when I listen to them um, that helps me to kind of do therapy with me when I'm out and about. Uh, and, and the same is true when I write a book is that I want people to engage with the characters and kind of slip into the narrative and then be confronted with dilemmas and issues in their own world. And I don't need somebody to understand why I wrote the book. I want them to feel delighted and somehow maybe a little bit healed by the experience. Um, but if I don't make money, I can't keep doing it at some point. There's there's mouths to feed, there's bills to pay. And so sure. wanting to make money for doing it, I don't think I don't think of it as cutthroat. I don't think of it as mercenary. I don't think of it as anything wrong. Uh, and I, I do think that those are the points when you look at the art that you're creating and realize, I have no idea how long it's going to take before I get to this point where the art actually supports the life. Um, and so I, I wonder, going back to that a little bit more, I hear everything that you've said. Has that been a discussion with you before of like, it's it's not quite supporting yet? Or are you able to step back enough that it doesn't exactly matter? I don't, I, I don't know if I answered that or asked that question perfectly, but. Well, I will say, um, I think, well, we started the band when we were 14. So like, this is <laughs> all we've ever done together, like to, for our jobs or to make money. Um, and we've also taught music lessons. So this year, yeah. this past year, the first year that we've kind of taken a step back from teaching and doing the Wildwood stuff. And we've just been focusing on Wildwood stuff, which we're really blessed to be able to do that. I never thought we would ever be able to do that. Um, but of course it's been a thought, like we gotta make sure that we're able to pay rent and pay the bills. And I think that for some people, a lot of people, it's scary to do what we're doing. It scares them to like the unpredictability of everything. But for us, like the other side where everything is predictable and you, you know that you're going to a job, you know how much money you're making for your paycheck every month. Yeah that's that would be nice <laughs> i'm not saying i would hate that but it's it would be scary to us to go and do that every day um yeah me too. Of doing like what we love and maybe struggling a little bit along the way but like like i said it does make those like really great moments or really great months so much better it's like wow i didn't think we could do this when you like look back at all of it yeah yeah and you know in my mind whenever you know we, we've never really been afraid that we're not going to, you know, have enough money for, for rent or for, sure. it's just because we've, we've done, um, you know, throughout our adult lives, I feel like we've done a pretty decent job of, of, of planning, planning ahead. Yeah. So luckily we're able to see, you know, you know, we can look into next month and kind of know, you know, roughly, you know, about how much we're going to be able to make. And uh, maybe, you know, looking back you know a, a few years ago that may have been just just right at you know what we needed to pay for rent and the bills yeah. and you know whatever I, I i feel like i was as long as we were there i was always like good great going. let's let's keep pushing well i've not you know I, I it's never been a thought of you know oh shit we need to do something that's going to be you know making more money so we can so we can, you know, try to save a lot and, you know, st stick with this, you know, five or 10 year plan or whatever. Um, we, we seem to always get really creative. We had to do this during COVID too. Like, of course, when we couldn't gig or really, it was scary because we couldn't teach lessons in the beginning. And then of course we did. Oh, yeah. 
but we've been really good about getting creative on how to make the extra little money we need for the month by doing like other music things i don't know like during covid we did live streams and uh we wrote songs for people i don't know but we're always having fun you know if you're if you're happy you're healthy so yeah that's that's my my motto i guess and so that that actually I knew eventually we would get to a perfect segue for the the genre question. And that is one of the questions. So a band that's been really important to me in my life is Pearl Jam. Uh, I it, it's it's not even that I love their music. It's that my parents told me that I was not allowed to listen to them. I was too young to listen to them. And so, of course, I went out and I got verses and I listened to that album in secret so much like I've all the words memorized. You know, I just I love it so much. And it, it created a, a deep adoration in me. But I've watched what what Eddie Vedder has done and what uh, Stone Gossard has done. And what they will do is that they are Pearl Jam together, but there will be many years between albums so that they can pursue their own thing. Eddie Vedder's gone and made a ukulele songs, an album where he just sings. It's very like you probably know these things. Um, and, and each of them has had their own side projects that sound differently. Uh, I'm curious because I don't get the opportunity to talk to too many bands. Uh, we've talked about the dead a little bit, but I'm sure that there are other genres that you love. Um, do you see the Wildwoods uh, pursuing other genres or sounds, or do you see you kind of sticking in a, a pretty similar genre uh, and pursuing other things aside or what, how, how does that work for you going forward? Do you think? I think the Wildwoods will always be, you know, uh, based in the folk genre. I yeah. think that we, we um, throughout our, our years together, I think we've we've taken that and tried to, you know, push and pull in certain directions, whether it be incorporating mm-hmm. you know, elements of jazz or, or, or you know, elements of, of you know, classical music or, or, or whatever, you know. But I think I think that's going to kind of be the general circle that we're going to kind of stay in at least that's that's my thought at the moment um just because i can't i don't think we'll ever do like a you know a hard rock or <laughs> metal album or, or anything like that um so i think and, and you know we we kind of we're not we're not really strictly folk or you know we're not really yeah. we get paired with a lot of bluegrass groups but we're not really even bluegrass mm-hmm. at all and yeah. uh you know i think I, so i think that since we've kind of, you know, wiggled our way into this, this um, maybe unique position of, of not really fitting directly in with, with a specific, you know, area of a genre, I think that, uh, I think we'll just try to keep, you know, going at it, try to to keep working at it and see where that takes us. But I do think like over the years and throughout different songs and albums, there are obvious different influences um, Mm -hmm. as far as genres or artists go and Noah writes our songs and I can tell like just like from who he's listening to at the time or like what artist he's listening to what kind of music he's listening to I can hear hints of that then make its way music that he's writing which I think is really cool Um, so in a way it kind of does shift a little bit depending on that but i do think the basis and the the center is that acoustic folk basis i guess yeah the nice thing about folk too is it is such a broad circle or like yeah. you know bob dylan's folk but also madison cunningham you could consider maybe folk or the dead you could consider certain aspects of it folk yeah um, and everything in between that um, yeah and, and below it in you know every direction yeah absolutely I think of uh, William Fitzsimmons as well is another musician who's been really important to me. Um, he kind of does similar to that. Some of his albums have been a little bit folky. Then he's he was produced by Ben Gifford. Is that the right name? Um, death Cab for Cutie. Is that right? Yeah, maybe. I think Anyways, so. um, you know, and so he had a kind of a death cap kind of a sound for one of his albums. And I think that's fun. As it relates to writers, uh, if I if I work with an editor who has a particular sensibility, then my prose will start to move a little bit more toward that that genre 
Um, and I think about that so much. And I personally am not a fan of being pigeonholed. Uh, right now, the series that sells the most for me and the one that I really spend the most time in is mystery. And so people start to want to label me a mystery writer. And I'm like, I'm not a mystery writer. This series is mystery, but I'm just a writer. I want to write what I want to write. You've got yeah. Stephen King, who everybody thinks of as horror. He is not a horror writer. He hasn't been a horror writer in a long, long time. But you kind of like break through in this area. And then the, the question always is, well, okay, so it's so much more nuanced. I'm talking to people who are much smarter than I am when it comes to music, but I think of Radiohead as being another example of I a band. Say okay, that. yeah, who they've recreated themselves, but yet there is something always utterly Radiohead about Radiohead, right? Yeah, I was, I was just, I was as soon as you said Radiohead, like the the millisecond yeah. before you said it, Radiohead is what I was thinking about, and you know, they're there's, you know, they're they have had a very interesting journey because they've been able to keep and grow their fan base while having albums that are nothing wildly different from each other. Yeah. But at the same time, they're, they're very, they flow together in a very cohesive way. You know, I could listen to Pablo mm-hmm. honey and then immediately listen to in rainbows after it, you know, and still yeah. feel like it's the same, it's the same band. It's not like, you know, there've been groups that may have, you know, been like a, like a, a hard, hard rock group mm-hmm. or something. And they moved to, you know, strictly, blues or you know i've heard of some some punk bands that that moved then into you know strictly traditional bluegrass it's not it's not like that yeah. they they kind of been able to keep this you know really really fantastic cohesive way um to go between their albums and just create yeah. this massive body of work where you know everything stands out on its own as, as such a phenomenal piece of art and and in terms of their artistry um as individuals johnny greenwood's got to be probably my, my favorite film composer at the moment, you know, he, he just has such a, such a knack for harmony and, uh, you know, just, it has just such a unique quality about his, about his writing that I, I think is, is very inspirational. And, and Tom York, of, of course, as well, you know, his, his solo projects, um, yeah. mainly, mainly his solo albums have been, been, you know, they've sounded different from Radiohead stuff, yeah, but they've still been, you know, you can tell it's very it's hard to get away with with his voice and be too too different his voice is so exacting oh for sure but but you know i think that they're i feel like that holds true though even um noah has done some projects where he writes like an instrumental well you wrote an instrumental album for um your capstone project for school and although that was instrumental and it was mainly like jazz based i would say you can still tell to me, like if I, I can still tell that you're the one that did all the music on that, just because it sounds mm. very you, like the way that you write. And even when you write other, I don't know, it's interesting, I guess. The same way Tom York's literal voice is unmistakable, like your like composition voice. Yeah, yeah well, you too, like when you write, oh, yeah. when you write music, like oh, I yeah, can yeah. definitely, when I hear something, I'm like, oh, that's an Andy song. Like, yeah, I just mm. know. Certain. Yeah, certain characteristics that that stick. So, yeah. so I guess in, with exploring other genres, though, I don't think we'll we'll really branch out too far with the Wildwoods. But yeah. I think on our own, I would definitely like to continue to write um, instrumental music. And and um, yeah, I guess I'm not I'm not a huge fan of singing anyway. So I don't think okay. I'll ever pursue any kind of you know vocal vocal yeah. project. But yeah, continue. Work on jazz and um, you know classical style music. I guess is is an avenue that I would like to pursue more. I guess I don't know about you. In terms of like other genres, you know, if you you know outside of this, you know, if you're oh, yeah, um, I mean, def- definitely would want to uh, to, you know take some of my songs and and record them and when the yeah. time feels right, thing. But um, I just love being able to, you know, the the music I listen to is all very kind of just like overarching. And so it's fun to, that's why I love playing the stuff that we play. Cause while it is folk, there's like so many different elements in any given song. Kind of like what Chloe says, kind of like tell what Noah was maybe, like maybe listening to when he wrote like an individual song. Um, and then it's fun to like, you know, come home and plug in my electric guitar and, you know, play stuff that's like entirely, you know, different from like that folk genre. Be able to like kind of scratch yeah. that itch too yeah 
It's yeah. funny because the whole time, uh, Noah, you're wearing tie dye for people who are only listening. Uh, and, and Andy, you're just wearing a baseball tee, but I've gotten the distinct vibe of, of jam band from you from the first minute, minute, Andy, like you feel jam band to me a little bit. Um, and uh, that's just an interesting, I'm probably wrong, but that's the vibe you give off. So, uh, okay, yeah. I think people at our shows get that vibe too. The, the, the yeah. last month, uh, the Grateful Dead has just like totally infiltrated my brain. <laughs> yeah. And they live there now. <laughs> and I don't usually wear tie dye. I don't know why. I, I believe you. But <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was ironic, I guess. <laughs> this shirt, you've been wearing it for like two months straight. You know, when you're, when you're on a, when you're on a hot streak, you just want to keep the luck going, right? Just <laughs> <laughs> keep the stench going. That's, yeah. Oh, yeah so um before we get to your music and i do want to get to your music now in just a second actually having you play for the audience so if you're listening this is your what two minute warning or something uh if you're like me you listen on 2x speed for podcasts slow it down uh so you can hear the music the way that it's supposed to be but um in the meantime one of the things i noticed and i don't exactly know if this will go anywhere but to me it's pretty distinct in foxfield st john you have a distinctly heavier vocal mixture of Chloe with a whole lot less of Noah. Um, and I think in my mind, I'm probably just trying to make sense of what I've seen on Instagram is that the songs that really hit the videos that went, Chloe was the voice. And I'm wondering if you wrote toward that mix because those are the videos that went big. If I'm wrong and that's super insulting, then A, forgive me, B, we'll cut this and C, we'll oh. move on. So you're talking about Foxfield St. John as like an entire an album. Yeah. The whole album yeah. seems to be much more heavily Chloe than either of the two albums. And if there are more than I just missed them uh, before that, uh, I think Noah you used to sing more than you do in Foxfield St. John. Yeah, for sure. I think this kind of goes back to um, what I said a little bit ago about, you know, not really not wanting to sing. Not re- I, and it's not really that I don't want to sing. It's, it's more so that, you know, I realize that Chloe has just such a beautiful voice. And shut up. <laughs> it's true you do and i think that especially as, as we've gotten older i think that we've become better at you know knowing when something fits and when something doesn't fit you know and and i think that well with all the songs on that album when we when they were written um and we sat down to kind of work through everything together we 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 sat and figured out which person's voice did the lead lines fit on each particular song. It wasn't like Noah sat down and was like, okay, this album is going to be Chloe based. It was like okay. definitely centered song towards each song. But a lot of the, a lot of the songs, so but, I think when I was writing, yeah, when I was it, writing them, I kind of had Chloe's voice more so in mind, yeah, than than my own. You know, I think so. Then when you know, I think the outcome just became. I think it organically kind of happened that way. Yeah. Just yeah. after yeah. the pattern of, I don't know. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm, yeah, I like singing. I like singing harmony. So, <clears throat> all right. This one is called Footprints on the Floor. <clears throat> Little thing to worry about anyway. 
why have I been so afraid? Perhaps I made some marmalade from the pulp of the fruits of my labor. I used to languish about the broken coffee maker. Ooh, 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 all my thoughts belong to her. She runs a room up in my head, I'm sifting through the drawers. Cause all that you have left behind are footprints on the floor. Oh, oh, oh. Locks of hair on the floor, still waiting. Spoiled milk in the fridge, how shameful. guys oh. <laughs> wow <laughs> that's so great so good oh, thank you <laughs> thank you i think we're gonna do uh a tune off of off of the album now this one's called uh west virginia rain if you don't mind i need to, need to tune up real quick this guitar can be a little bit a little bit finicky All right. Um, this is a tune from from the the album. Uh, this one's called West Virginia Rain about um, the time um, we had a campsite in West Virginia and it downpoured for a few days straight when we wanted to we originally planned to do some some hiking and whatnot after a, what we felt was kind of a weird show a couple years ago. And uh, we wrote this this song when we were feeling some kind of way, I guess. I don't know. So here's West Virginia Rain.
That was fantastic, guys. So I want you to tell me a little bit about the writing process for those songs, um, because that's very relatable to uh, novelists is what what was the writing process for those songs? And then musically, too, how do you how do you come up with the the sound? Because it so perfectly matches. Jeez. Well, thank you, Jody, for, for your kind <laughs> words. Um, so Footprints on the Floor, that was the first one we did. Um, I think I wrote that song back in the winter we got a lot of snow and it was uh, very very cold out for a few weeks then and i think i was i think we were not leaving the house at all for for a little while and i think it was causing me to lose lose my mind a little bit <laughs> and so the, the song is kind of about that i guess losing you know just just feeling feeling yourself you know going a little crazy because you've stayed inside for a little bit too long and you know there it kind of goes through certain things that might keep you inside, whether, you know, you're not, whether you are not okay with your, your appearance or, you know, I guess if there's, there's other, other things involved. Um, like you're in your own head too much. Yeah. Like that's basically <laughs> what I'm trying to say. I'm sorry. I'm, yeah. I feel like I'm going a little crazy right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what that one's about, but um, it's, it's, it's conveyed in a, in a more playful way. You know, it's not, it's yeah. not like, oh, I'm going crazy and I'm angry about it. It's more like, <laughs> you know, I guess a, a, the, the lyrics are just there's one, a little silly. There's I one guess, line but. in the song. It's, um, are you still angry about the broken coffee maker? And that oh. line was sparked because um, we travel in a camper. And in the camper mm. a few summers ago, I kept putting the Chemex, our glass coffee maker, in like the top cabinet. And then every time Noah would make a hard stop or like hit a bump or something, it would come flying out. Oh no! And it broke. <laughs> like our Chemex broke like three times. We had to keep buying a new one. And then finally, the last time, Noah was like, "Like, okay, put it in the bottom cabinet this time." <laughs> <laughs> and so that I just like always laugh at that line because I'm like, it wasn't just one coffee maker; it was three. <laughs> oh geez, <laughs> it was kind of sparked because we got home from a tour and. This is when I kind of wrote the first first line of the song down was was that that the line about the broken coffee maker was we came home from a tour. It was snowing. It was really cold. And Chloe said had said something along the lines of, you know, oh, great. I can't make coffee because you broke the. Cast. <laughs> and she was saying, it like, oh, right, yeah, yeah. A little tongue in cheek, but all the same, you were right. sort of like you broke it. <laughs> right. She wasn't saying it in anger, but it was that was the thought was, well, I didn't really. I was more of a victim of circumstance in this, this situation. <laughs> you know, oh, that's the great. universe using me as a middleman between yes. you know, it, it and the floor um, from breaking. But yeah, there you go. So, Love it. You know. Love it so much. Um, uh, everybody should be able to find you on Instagram. I will make sure to have tour dates in my podcast notes for anything that's upcoming at this point that I can find. If you want to send me extra in terms of tour dates that isn't live yet, I'm happy to post any of that as well. Uh, and then individually, if you want to connect with any listeners at this point, uh, or as a band, what's the best way for people to connect with you respectfully, lovingly, adoringly, because your music is great. Uh, where, where can they connect with you? Hey, you can uh, you can send us a message on our on our website. If you go to thewildwoodsband.com, you can find our our contact um, tab there. Or also, you know, just shoot us a message on on Instagram or or Facebook um, or TikTok. Um, we are our handle is the Wildwoods on Instagram, and and it's the Wildwoods Band on TikTok and Facebook. Um, or you can listen to us on Spotify. Yeah, share yes. our music. <laughs> Absolutely. Perfect. Um, and then it did, it did remind me as far as TikTok goes, do you have more of a following on Instagram or TikTok and um, which, which one, I, I guess, like, do you think of one platform more when you create? Um, we have, 
um, about a hundred thousand more followers on on Instagram than we do TikTok. You do okay. And uh, it didn't start that way though. Didn't start that way. Our no. followers okay. on TikTok first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think when we create videos, we're just thinking about like we put the video on all of our platforms, so we're not like mm -hmm. aiming it towards one specific okay. one. Yes. Yeah. We definitely use Instagram more. I feel like in the day to day. Mm -hmm like to post or make announcements about things but yeah tiktok's really just for just for those those videos yeah really advertising our our shows on on tiktok and whatnot but uh okay yeah yeah i'm similar i, I prefer the feel of instagram to tiktok i have tiktok i use it because they tell me that you're supposed to be able to sell books over there but i can't find my people quite yet working on it <laughs> so, find it yeah yeah all right well thanks so much um Thank you for listening to TRBM. The theme music was provided by the ever-talented Christopher Talon. And hey, if you liked what you heard, share this show with other readers because what's the point of telling stories if nobody's listening?